0: To say, Lord, and help me to have a clear mind as we go through uh, just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, as we study the book of Matthew, Lord. Uh, help me to be able to deliver not just the, the notes that we have written down, Lord, but that the Holy Spirit would use me, Lord, to help these uh, dear people as we. Uh, As they come on a Wednesday night They come because they love you They come because they want to learn your word, Lord And they need to hear something from you today Lord, I pray that you would use me I pray that you would help me I pray that you would uh, meet with us As we spend a few moments studying your word In your precious name, I pray Amen Amen. All right, well we're there In Matthew chapter number 11 If you remember last week We went through the first part of Matthew 11 And we talked about John the Baptist And the fact that he was doubting uh, his calling And he was doubting what Jesus Christ I said done for him. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, John the Baptist was was going through that time there, and it kind of shift a little bit as we as we enter into the latter part of the chapter. and I, I'd like you to understand something, and we're going to get into 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 Matthew eleven. But just go real quickly with me to Matthew chapter number ten. And if you remember Jesus, when we're in Matthew chapter ten, remember I was telling you the ministry of Jesus Christ was in a few different phases. The first year Jesus was really popular. Do you remember he? told his disciples when he sent them out, the twelve, he said, uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 10, look at verse number 7. He said, as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely, ye have received freely give. And he told them. Now this is how popular Jesus was at this time. Verse 9. He said, provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purse, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So he told his disciples, when you go out into these cities and you go out and preach, he said, don't take any money with you, don't take any extra clothes with you, people are going to take care of you, Uh, he goes on to say if you look at verse 11, and into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter inquire in it, uh in it is worthy, and there abide till ye uh, go thence, and when ye come into an house, salute it, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it, but if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you, and whatsoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that uh, of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet, and he's telling them, you know, you're going to go, people are going to take care of you, if you find a house that will take care of you, stay there, and Jesus had a really popular ministry, he was healing people, people wanted to be around him, as we get to the latter part of chapter number twelve. I want you to understand that things are beginning to shift. And you, you know, sometimes as you read through the Gospels, it may seem like you're going through kind of the three years kind of quickly. But you got to understand, the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the highlights of the life of Jesus Christ. And most of the time that we read through the Gospels, we're actually the majority of Scripture in these Gospels is centered on the week which is known as the Passion Week or the week before Jesus Christ died. A lot of this kind of goes through it quickly. And we've already kind of shifted into a time when Jesus is, his, his ministry is going from being very popular, very welcome, to not so popular, not so welcome. And, and, and we're going to go back to verse number 16, but I'd like to skip down to verse 20, and I'd like to just show you a couple of things. The Bible says, then began he to upbraid the cities. Okay, The word upbraid means to find fault or rebuke. He began to rebuke. He began to talk to the cities. Now notice the cities he's rebuking. Wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Jesus is beginning to get frustrated with the response he is getting from the cities that he has done most of his works. Now if, if you ever look at a map of Israel, especially during the time here, you'll realize that Israel is divided into two sections. You've got southern Israel, you've got the northern uh, kingdom, or the northern part of Israel. And Jesus was not very popular in the southern kingdom. You know, where Jerusalem was, and that's where eventually he eventually got crucified. But in the northern part of Israel, around the Sea of Galilee, is where Jesus did most of his miracles, is where Jesus preached most of his sermons, is where he was most well received. And he's talking to these cities in this northern part of Galilee, where Jesus did most of the miracles and he's upbraiding them and he's getting frustrated with them and he says because wherein most of his uh, mighty works were done and he's upset, notice the last part of verse 20, because they repented not. Look at verse 21. Notice what he says. He says, woe unto thee, Chorazin. That's the name of the city. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. That's one of the cities in the northern side of Galilee there. He says, he says for it." Now notice what He says, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon now Tyre and Sidon are Gentile nations that God judged in the Old Testament and this is what Jesus is saying, he's saying if I would have gone to Tyre, if I would have gone to Sidon and I would have performed the miracles that I have performed in your cities Chorazin and in your cities uh, Bethsaida, if I would have healed people, if I would have healed the blind and if I would have done the things that I did. notice what he says, he says they would have repented long ago and fackled off the ashes now verse 22 is kind of interesting he says, but I say unto you it shall be, notice this word more tolerable ok, and I'm not really preaching about this but I, we're, we're his bible study nights so I kind of want to just give you the, the highlight of this he says it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you, Jesus kind of indicates here that there are degrees of judgment he says, at the day of judgment, uh, Tyre and Sidon, it's going to be more tolerable for them than it's going to be for you. Because they didn't have what you have. They didn't have Jesus Christ. They didn't have the, the, the gospel preached to them as clearly as you've had preached. They didn't see all the miracles. And what Jesus is explaining to them here, and you've got to understand this. Now, to be fair to the text, you guys, he's talking to unbelievers. These people that are not saved, they did not receive him. They came because he fed them. They came because he healed them. They came because they wanted to see something. But they never actually received him as Savior. These people did not get saved. But what we do see, and I understand that tonight, we're talking mostly to believers. Obviously, it's a Wednesday night Bible study at church. Most people here are going to be saved, although I'm sure not everybody here is saved. And if you're not saved, you say, I don't know if I'm. if I die today. I'm not sure if I go to heaven. Please do not leave here. Without talking to me or somebody, and we can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. But if you're saved here, you know, this, you, you can say, well, this doesn't apply to me because he's talking to unbelievers. But you've got to understand this. This kind of gives us a little insight into the mind of Christ. And you need to understand, Jesus is upset with the return he is getting on his investment. He said, Look, I came to this earth, the Word became flesh. And I decided to come to your city. I decided to come to your town. I decided to come perform miracles in your neighborhood. And you have not repented. He said, if I would have chosen Tyre, if I would have chosen Sidon, if I would have chosen the Gentile nations, they would have repented long ago. And he said, I'm not happy with the... He said, I've invested so much into this, and I'm not getting anything. Now you may say, well, is Jesus kind of throwing uh, 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 a." for, you know, is he, is he getting upset? But you got to understand this. He, he puts so much into these people already and he says, I'm not getting anything from you. And in verse 16, if you go just a little further, a little above that, he explains early in the passage that it's not about his presentation. Sometimes people like to say things like, you know, Pastor Jimenez, if you were just a little nicer, you didn't just preach so much on sin all the time, you weren't so angry and yelling, you know, people would respond better. But Jesus, you know, he kind of talks about this. He says, Look, it's not about how we presented God's word. Notice in verse sixteen, it's interesting what he says. He says, But where until should I liken this generation? He said, What is this generation like? This group of people I've talked to. He said, It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows. Now, he says, Look, he says, This is the type of people you are. Verse 17, and saying, notice what he says, we have piped unto you. Now, piped is referring to taking an instrument like a flute or something. And he said, we, we, we piped, we played an instrument, we, we, we you know, made uh, merry music for you. But notice, ye have not danced. Okay, so here you got your good message. You know, you know how like, remember you were growing up and you had your, your mom and dad you were in trouble with them. And you had like good cop, bad cop. You know, at my house it's like, my wife is a good cop, I'm the bad cop you know what I mean sometimes if you get her mad enough she's a bad cop you know what I gotta be a good cop but you know like he's saying look we have piped unto you and you have not danced he says so I came, we came to you with, with a nice merry just you know trying to be cheery you did not want to dance look, look, look what he said we have mourned unto you here's your bad cop and ye have not lamented now he explains what he's talking about in verse 18 for John came neither eating nor drinking Remember, we we're talking about John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist was the subject of last week's sermon. He said, John can neither eat and drink him. And they say he had the devil. So here's what he's saying. John was known for being just a radical... I mean, the guy was not dressed the way you think you think he should be dressed. He's out preaching in the wilderness. He's screaming. He's yelling. He's calling them vipers. He's calling them every name. He's saying there's nothing special about you. You gotta repent. You gotta get right with God. I mean he says, look, John came neither eating nor drinking, okay? John did not have anybody over for lunch. John did not go by and visit you with cookies. John did not write you a note. John did not give you a $5 Starbucks gift card for your birthday. Okay, John, he said, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he had the devil. Now look at verse 19. The Son of Man, this is Jesus. Okay, so John is a bad cop, right? He said, John came neither eating nor drinking, he just came preaching, he came screaming, he came yelling, and they say he had the devil. Here's a good cop, verse 19. The Son of Man, that's Jesus came eating and drinking. Remember, Jesus' ministry was different than John. John shows up, and he's just mad, he's upset, he's kicking the pulpit, he's screaming and yelling, he's saying, get right with God. Jesus shows up, and he came eating and drinking. He healed people. He loved people. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. But notice what they said about, the, about him. And they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine vapor, a front of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of John. Here's what he's saying John shows up, and he's mad and upset and screaming and yelling. And he said, Nobody responded to him.
1: And they said, Oh, that guy's
0: insane. That guy's crazy. He's got a devil. And he says, I show up eating and drinking. I'm nice to you. I heal you. And you say that I'm gluttonous, you say I'm a wine vapor, you say I'm a friend of the publican, here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter how the word was presented to you, you don't want anything to do with it. You know, and I've seen that even in our ministry. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to offend you or anything, but I'll get up, you know, I'll preach on the same subject. You know, because I preach on, on the same subject, you know, I'm trying to preach on the same subject different times of the year. And I try to change it up, I'll get up and I'll scream and yell about hell, and the fact that people are dying and going to hell, and the fact that it's our job to go and preach the gospel. And then like, you know, six months later, I'll preach like a live sermon about like, man, imagine that God could use you in the ministry of reconciliation to so see people. And you know what I've noticed? It doesn't matter if I'm screaming and yelling. It doesn't matter if I'm nice about it. People are just not interested. People just don't care. And you can be nice, and those that are going to respond will respond. Or you can be mean, and those that are going to respond will respond. And you can be try to be nice, you can try to be mean, you can try to be dynamic, or you can try to just be quiet. And people that aren't interested are just not going to be interested. You can be the good cop. You can be the bad cop. Because the problem is not how the word is presented. The problem is this, the word. He said, it's nothing. you don't like what J- how John said it. when you hear the word preached and you say that's for everybody except me everyone needs to go soul winning except me I'm different I'm shy everyone needs to get the sinner of their life except me I don't have a problem with that when you hear the word of God preached look whether it's nice whether it's mean, whether it's angry whether it's offensive and you don't respond to it it's this you don't think you need it you don't think it applies to you it's pride notice what Jesus says verse 23 And thou Capernaum, notice what he says, which are exalted unto heaven. Just make make note of that word, that phrase. Which are exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom. Okay, Sodom's a bad town. Sodom's not a good place. Sodom, remember Sodom, God destroyed it? He said, if it had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now here's what's interesting, okay? These verses remind me a lot about a character in the book of Isaiah. Keep your finger there in Matthew 11 and go to Isaiah chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 11 and go to Isaiah chapter number 14. He said, which are exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. Now notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 14. Look at verse number 12. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. This is talking about Lucifer. This is talking about Satan. Isaiah 14, 12. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which is weakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, Notice this. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. Remember it said, he said about Capernaum, Which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. Satan said, Lucifer said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend before the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be, notice what, same thing that Jesus said to, to Capernaum and to those cities. It was said to Satan, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. Now you've got to understand this, okay? The problem that Lucifer had was a pride issue. I mean, notice what he says: "How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? So, on the morning, how art thou cut down, which is weak in the nations?" Verse thirteen. For thou hast said in thy heart, "Notice what Satan said." Notice what Lucifer said. He says, "I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north." Notice, notice verse fourteen. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. I mean, who does Lucifer keep talking about? Himself. You ever met somebody like that? All they talk about is, I this, I that, what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with, what I, and you know, we're here to help you, and we're here to love you, but here's what I've noticed. People that are all wrapped up in themselves, they'll ask you questions, it doesn't matter what answer you give them, they're going to do what they want to do. Because the problem is a pride problem. It doesn't matter if you're nice about it. It doesn't matter if you're angry about it. It doesn't matter if you take a John, you know, locust in the wilderness, screaming and yelling, or if you're a Jesus who comes, you know, and fellowships and love. He said, you want nothing to do with what we have to say. It's pride. Now, now go back to Matthew chapter eleven. Let me show you the flip side. In Matthew eleven twenty three and twenty four, he says, "Which are exalted of the heaven shall be brought down to hell, if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom." He said, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, notice the, the contrast, verse 25. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At the same time, Jesus answered, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because I hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast, notice, revealed them unto babes. Now, you say, well, why, why would he talk about a baby, alright? Keep your finger there in Matthew 11. Go to Matthew 18. Now, let me show you what he's talking about. Matthew 18, 4. Oftentimes in Scripture, a babe refers to someone who's humble. Matthew 18 verse 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. Do you see that? The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Often Jesus uses a child to illustrate someone who's humble. So here's what he's doing. He's saying, Capernaum, your problem is your proud. You're exalted unto heaven, you're going to be brought down to hell, just like Satan, just like Lucifer. And he said, if you would have been like a baby, you would have ex- accepted it, and it wouldn't matter how it got packaged. Because a baby and someone who's humble, a new baby in Christ, just wants to get the Word. Now here's the point, Matthew 25, look at verse 14. Even though he's talking to unbelievers, who did not receive him anyway, there is an application for believers. And here's the application. Christ expects a return on investment. We're going to deal, you know, we're going to get deep into Matthew 25 when we get to it. But let me just show you just real quickly something about this parable. Matthew 25, 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is that the man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered, them unto, uh, and delivered unto them his goods, verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey... Skip down to verse 24. We won't take the time to read through it, but you just got to remember this. The guy that he gave five talents to, he increased another five talents for a total of ten. And the guy he gave two talents to, he got two more talents for a total of four. But the guy he gave one talent to was scared to lose his one talent, so he hid it in the ground. He dug a hole and put it in the ground. For fear of losing it. Look at verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art in hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talents in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not tried, uh, strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. The word usury is talking about interest. Here's what he's saying. He said, you are a, he said, you are a wicked and slothful. The word slothful means lazy. He said, look, this is one thing you don't want your boss calling you lazy. Okay. If your boss says you are lazy, you're probably going to lose your job. Okay. He said, you are wicked. You are slothful. He said, why didn't you at least take the one talent and put it in the savings account? So I would have at least came back and got my talent back with a little bit of interest. He said, why didn't you at least do that instead of hiding in the ground? Luke verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get from this passage, okay? God is an investor. And he expects a return on his investment. And when he gets no return on his investment, he gets frustrated. And he gets upset. You say, well, why? Here's why. Do you want to get back to Matthew chapter 11? God invested very highly into you. I don't know if you know that. I'm sure you do. I don't know if you understand that, though. His investment, his sacrifice was great. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 26. Look what he says. He says, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. Now, you understand this, okay? No man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. Here's what Jesus is saying, and have you ever thought about the fact, you know, we know very little about God the Father. Up until the Gospels, we knew very little. All we knew about God the Father was the rules that He gave us in the Old Testament. We knew what upset Him, we knew what He wanted to do. We had a lot of thou shalt not, and a lot of thou shalt. Okay, but we knew very little about who he was. And Jesus came, not just to die on the cross for our sins, although that was his primary purpose, was to seek and to save that which was lost. But Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. If you want to know the Father, study Jesus Christ. He says, no man knows the Father except the Son. He said, if you want to know the Father, just look at me. He said, I have been invested. Jesus Christ was sent down to the earth. God says, I invested my son into you. And he says, I expect a return. I expect something for you. Now here's what we need to understand. And actually, before we go any further, let me just say this because this is something that Calvinists like to use a lot. If you look at verse twenty-seven again, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father; neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he—Calvinists love to use. His word. I was talking to Calvinists on the phone just on Friday, and he uh, says, and he wants me to go visit with him or something. And he—and they'll use this verse. They'll say, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. And they'll say, see, it's only who the Son reveals. You know, you can only get whomsoever the Son reveals. Reveals him now. If all we had was Matthew eleven twenty seven, that would be a good point, because I mean he says, "Look, all things are delivered unto me and my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him." And they say, "See, only whosoever the Son will reveal him. But notice verse twenty eight. Come unto me all. Do you see that? So he says, look, only whom the Son will reveal. I'm like, I'm going to say, see, it's only who will be revealed." But then in verse 28, he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. So who did he choose to reveal? He said, everybody. He said, everybody can come to me. He said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He said, look, it's, it's for everybody. He said, it's only who he reveals. Yeah, but he, then he turns around and says, come unto me all ye. He said, anybody can come. Now here's the point. God invested or revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. What return is God getting on his investment in you? Have you ever thought about that? You say, well, I'm saying that's good for you. You know that your salvation doesn't affect God in any way? I mean, if you were to get saved, or if you were to die and go to hell, God would still be God. God would still be powerful. God would still be in heaven. Do you understand that? Salvation helps you. And we get this idea, like, I'm God's gift to God. But you've got to understand this. It cost Jesus Christ a great sacrifice to save you. It cost God a great investment to save you. And you say, well, I got saved. I got born again. I started going to church. I, I started changing my life. That's all good for you. But have you ever thought about this? What has God gotten out of the deal of saving you? What what has he gotten in return? You know what I got saying? Good for you. Well, I ain't going to church. Good for you. I'm glad you're here. Well, I started learning
1: the Bible. Good for you.
0: But what are you doing for him? And put it this way. Other than going to church, which we're thankful for, I'm glad you're here. What are you doing to further the kingdom of God and the cause of God? Because you gotta understand this. God is an investor. And when he invests in someone, he expects a return. And when he gets no return, he gets very frustrated. And he gets very upset. And he says, I'm glad you're saved. He said, that's one thing I came to do. And I'm glad your your, your life was changed. That's good for you. But he said, I expect something in return. What is God? God, because he saved you. You know, we ought to live our lives this way. Because God saved me. I want to make it worth God saving me, because God saved me. I'm not trying to get other people saved to make it worth His investment. Because God saved me, I want to serve Him in every way that I can. Because God has invested so much into my life. And God has invested so much into your life. And God has given you such an opportunity. And look, just living in the time that we live, in the age that we live, in the country that we live, we have the opportunity to read the Bible. We have the opportunity to gather together. We're not afraid that the police are going to show up and break us up. We're not afraid to go out and preach the gospel to people. We're not afraid to... able to have, you know, we have freedom, I know we live in a country that is corrupt, in a country that promotes a lot of sin, but let me tell you something, we still have the most freedom of any other place in the world. And we have been given so much and the Bible says, to whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. And see, we, we need to get away from this idea that, I'm saved and that's enough for God. Because God says, no, I saved you, I invested deeply into you, and I'd like to get a return on my investment. He said, it's very frustrating when I send my son and he performs miracles and he preaches great sermons and he does so many great things in these cities and they don't respond to him. Well, it's because John was so mean. But Jesus was nice. Well, it's because Jesus was too nice. Well, John was mean. See, the problem is not with how the word is presented. The problem is with you. It's our pride. We don't like what it says. Now here's the goal. Can you get back to Matthew 25? This is what, if you're saved, this is what we all want to hear. Matthew 25, remember the story of the talents. And we'll we'll go deep into Matthew 25 when we get there. Let me just give you a few highlights. Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou delivers unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the goal. The goal is for us to get to heaven and God to look at us and say this, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now notice, this is how God works. God is an investor. He says, You're faithful in a few things. He said, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. He is also, verse 22, He also that I received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Notice, same response. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Here's the beautiful thing. You say, Well, I only have two talents. I'm not the five talent guy. He expects you to do something with what he gave you. And the guy with two talents produced two more talents. He didn't have to produce the ten talents that the other guy produced. He just had to do something with what God had given him, according to his ability. And God says, well done, been a faithful servant. Now I've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The goal is this, for us to get to heaven and for God to say, hey, you did a good job with what I invested into you. I invested a lot. My son, coming down to earth, dying on the cross, was a great sacrifice. But I'm happy with the return. I'm happy with what... It was a good deal. Now, here's the thing. God does not back down from his deal. In the, in the Bible, it says in the First Timothy, if we, if we don't believe, he will be faithful to his word. You say, well, God made a bad deal, when he saved me. <laughs> Well, he's not going to back out. He's still going to save you. But our goal should be to be worth the investment. What return is God getting on his investment in you? Ask yourself that question. What have you done to further the kingdom? What have you done to further the cause of Christ? What is it that you've done that you can say, God, thank you for investing in me. Because Jesus gets very frustrated when he pours his heart into someone and they don't respond. And they don't do anything. And they just say, well, maybe if we would have been a little nice, Maybe if we would have been a little meaner. Nobody says that. What return is God getting on you? I have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. And Lord, thank you as we just study, just go verse by verse through the book of Matthew. Father, I pray that you would help us to just realize that the sacrifice that you made for us truly was the greatest investment that anybody Make and Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that you expect something. Now, we won't lose our salvation, we won't not go to heaven, you won't back out of your deal. But, Father, we all want to get to heaven and say and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to get to heaven and hear those words. Lord, I pray that you would motivate us, I pray that we would motivate ourselves. To say what what can I do to make it worth my saving? How can I serve? What can I do to further the cause of Christ? Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray that you'd live us. You'd, you'd help us to live with the mindset of I want to make it worth His dying. I want to make it worth His coming. Father, we love you in Your precious name. I pray. Amen. Amen.